The Swinging Palm Trees Podcast with Akin. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and this is the Swinging Palm Trees Podcast. My name is Akin, where I talk to my guests about the quotes and the sayings that have inspired them. My guest today is a film director, producer, screenwriter, and a medical doctor. May I present to you the listener, Mr. And I'm going to try and get this right. Is it Roshan Sethi or Shetty? It's Sethi, which is, but you said it perfectly, yeah. Oh, excellent stuff. Well, thank you so much for coming on to this episode of the Swinging Palm Trees podcast. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so I've given a short introduction of who you are, but if the real Roshan can stand up and tell us who he really is, <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, yeah, it's a, a question that always kind of befuddles me, but I'm uh, originally from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, born and raised. Um, I'm of Indian origin. My parents are both from India, and I am both a doctor and then also a creative. So uh, a, around the same time that I trained as a physician in medical school and residency, I also became a screenwriter and then eventually a director. So I have sort of two halves to my life that I enjoy equally and that I continue to do. Now, I do know you have a twin, but since you are a creative and you also work in the medical field, have you already perfected cloning? Yeah. <laughs> no, I have not quite perfected cloning, but I'm sure someone will at some point. But uh, And Rosh is a fraternal twin, not an identical twin, but he's we actually look, I think, fairly similar. Um, but yeah, no, I've been able to do it without cloning, miraculously but uh, also with a lot of stress and time management issues. <laughs> First of all, and I know this might sound very stereotypical, but I'm going to say all the same, being of an Indian origin, there's normally this requirement that you do certain safe careers, be it yeah. law, doctor, da di da di da But what got your interest in being a creative, first and foremost? Um, well, I uh, was a big reader from a very young age, like my mother, who was also a huge reader. And uh, it was reading that made me want to write, very simply. And I went into medicine partly because my mother was a doctor and I was exposed to it from a young age. She also encouraged me to volunteer at the hospital, which I found to be a very meaningful experience when I was just 12 or 13. And so it always felt like both were destined to happen, but I didn't quite know how. And to be fair, I don't think my mom ever made me feel like I had to choose one or the other. She did feel strongly, I think, about me going into medicine at a minimum. And uh, with time, I felt just as strongly. And what was the first book or the first novel you actually read that piqued your interest? That's a really good question. It was probably Goosebumps, honestly, but uh, I don't remember which one. But then I got into reading in earnest in grade four. And the book that made the biggest impression on me at that age was probably The Giver by Lois Lowry. And then a number of her other books, including Number of the Stars um, and Bridge to Terabithia and all the books that in North America we read at a very young age that just encouraged me to read. And then I shifted into epic fantasy weirdly. And then for almost 10 years, all I read was epic fantasy, including Game of Thrones way before it was what it is today. Because that book series originated in 1996, so it's been around for a very, a very long time. And, uh, and then also Wheel of Time, which I was obsessed with, and Sword of Truth, all those kind of, and then Lord of Rings, of course, and the, everything was really just a Lord of, of the Rings ripoff, like Sword of Shannara, and so I, I read all of those. Basically, you're in California, so hear me out, I'm going to pitch an idea and see whether yeah. this might work or not. What if you have 
Game of Thrones, but set within a medical triage. Like there's a <laughs> war going on and you've got its own version of Game of Thrones. What would you call it? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, the red something. The red uh, <laughs> emergency red. I don't know. But something with red in medicine. Code red? I don't know. The code, code red wedding? Yeah, something in there. I don't know. I have to keep thinking. Okay. All right. So you basically, your background, you're a physician and an oncologist. And you work at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. What made you decide yes. to go into that field of medicine? Uh, my mom had cancer, and at a young age, I was exposed to it um, and processed it. I think by eventually going into oncology myself. But yeah, I don't. I, it's a very kind of cliched answer, I think, among oncologists. But it is my answer. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, it's a good answer because you've got to connect. You had someone close to you yes. who had um, this um, uh, disease. And you are going to try the best you can to try and see what you can do to remedy that. So it's a, it's a it's a exactly it's a personal answer. Fair enough. Okay, so you went to Harvard to study medicine. Yes. <laughs> How much of a brainiac are you? I'm not a brainiac actually, but I'm a very very hard worker and always have been. And I did nothing in college except study to get into medical school. And I mean nothing else. All I did was go to the library from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. I never went to a single party. I had very few to no friends. The all Rosh, my brother and I did was study. So, um, but that was what I was focused on. Are you telling me that everything I've seen in from Canadian and American films about having a great time at college where students go in and drink and just have a really great time in the first year, you did not partake in any of these stuff? No, no, I Definitely did not. I mean, nothing on the relationship front, on the social front, no party. I didn't even go to shows. I just did nothing but study. Um, and I also worked in a lab with my brother. So we would, when we weren't studying, we would go to that lab, the re you know, like a research lab, and do research. And then when we weren't doing that, we went to the hospital and volunteered. And when we weren't doing that, we ran like a little nonprofit thing okay. on campus. But right. there was very little room for anything else. So in that time, you're studying within the field to try to be an oncologist and you're also volunteering and you've also spent time to start writing. How many words in your time at uni? Are, what was the final total word count? Oh, oh my God, thousands and thousands. Because as much as I was studying every day, I was also writing little short stories, little scripts, everything I could, but never like with any serious intentions. They were mainly for myself and then occasionally for the classes that I was enrolled in. But so I guess it's true that I wasn't just studying because I was writing somewhere, somehow, never for very long. Even to this date, I never write for more than two hours a day. So even then, I think it was much less. I've always written very quickly. But yeah, so I was doing that. So which is more of interest to you? Of course, you love creative stuff and you also love the medical stuff. But which one fascinates you the most? I think um, they both do equally, but I think the place where I feel the most at home and the most like attuned to my strengths is medicine. I feel that it's the thing I was really, really meant to do. Although I enjoy and think I uh, have abilities in other fields too, it's the place where I feel the most secure and the most confident. I think it's very hard to feel secure as a creative person. So maybe that's why. But So you're finishing your degree, or I'm guessing you finish your degree, and you've been writing, and then you have this idea, this concept for a show called The Resident, and you pitch this idea. First of all, how did you even begin this process from pitching 
to development to the world seeing it? Uh, well, that was a really crazy story. But basically, when I was in medical school, I decided that I had to get into a writing job somehow. And I had started submitting my short stories in medical school to places that were rejecting them. So I thought I would pivot to screenwriting for no real reason, because I didn't grow up loving movies or TV. It just felt like a thing I could do. And uh, I thought the best way to get into Hollywood would be as a medical consultant. So I started contacting the producers of medical shows and just cold calling them by guessing their email addresses or literally phoning them or Facebook friending them or Facebook messaging them and offering myself as a full-fledged medical consultant, though I was only a month into medical school. And then in medical school, I, I, after I, you know, months of doing that, I finally got one of like probably 50 or 60 people responded to a Facebook message and said, what are your stories? And so I sent her like a 12 page document full of stories, none of which had actually occurred, but which I pretended had occurred because nothing <laughs> had happened to me. I was only like a few months into medical school. At that point, we were still just sitting in classrooms all day. I didn't have medical stories. And uh, as it happened, she loved the document and loved the stories and thought that I was just like a wealth of experience. So I became a consultant on a project she was working on that didn't go to series, but formed a lifelong mentor who then involved me in eight other medical pilots, none of which went to series. But eventually a medical show she had written called Black Box that went straight to series on ABC, for which I worked as a medical consultant on set. I also wrote for the show just random scenes that would end up in episodes. And eventually she encouraged me to get an agent, which I did. And uh, I got hired to write on a medical show as the lowest level of writer, what's called a staff writer. And then I was fired from that job uh, because what of happened? my personality. <laughs> uh, I think just my personality. I just didn't know how to function in a writer's room at that age. Um, and I, especially coming from medicine, and I just don't think I was very good at it. And uh, so then I was unemployed, living in L.A., had taken a year off of residency. It, things were not looking great. But uh, with a writing partner, I wrote a feature, which ended up selling and getting me a feature writing career, which is, for most people, a career where you just write tons and tons of scripts, but none of them get made. And then I also wrote a pilot with Amy, my mentor, and Haley, my writing partner. And that pilot was delivered to Showtime, where it was originally pitched and sold in June, right before I went back to residency. And then Showtime passed on it. I went back to residency and assumed nothing would come of it until I heard midway through residency that Fox had read the script and was considering picking it up, um, but needed to redevelop it so it could work for broadcast instead of just cable. So we rewrote it. I wrote it remotely and they wrote it there in L.A. And then Fox decided to pick it up. And I was a resident when the resident went to air. But I was involved only in like maybe five or six episodes of the first season, I was unable to continue working on it remotely. It was just too hard for many reasons. So I left the show. It did not, frankly, expect it to go on as long as it did. And it has now just gone on forever and ever and ever. It, it never stops. So, um, But I'm very proud of everyone involved with it, even though I have, like I said, literally no involvement with it. Well, congratulations all the same in making that happen as best as you can. So from your experience, your medical experience, which TV medical drama show would you say is the most realistic? A, and which one do you, do you look at and say, yeah, that, 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 that doesn't work? <laughs> well, uh, I, I, don't, I think The Resident is very accurate in terms of capturing the truth of hospitals and doctors as businesses and business people, which I think many shows ignore, um, and The Resident faces head on in sometimes very discerning ways. I think ER was probably the closest to the experience of being a physician that I've watched personally. 
And then in terms of the worst, I probably would hesitate to name anyone because I understand a lot of what goes into writing a medical show. It is very, very hard to remain completely accurate and generate something that has drama. I think the most common inaccuracy that you just have to accept when writing a medical show is the compression of time. I remember on The Resident, I got a lot of emails afterwards that a central line had been placed in 15 seconds when in truth it would take 45 minutes or 30 minutes. And nobody is going to watch a real-time placement of a central line. Of like course. it just that's extremely dull. So you have to you have to do some things and stretch some things and compress other things in order to make it entertainment and tell the stories that you want to tell. So fair enough. So let's talk about your directorial debut called Seven Days, which I watched with my wife Ashanti Umkar. She said to me, "Oh, yeah. there's this film called Seven Days. You'd love it." And I thought. I don't know. What's it about? Well, it's about a couple. I said, uh, next. She said, no, listen. <laughs> and then she told, she gave me the synopsis. I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a watch. And I came away and I said, wow, this is a really, really good film, especially the two leads. And, but anyway, tell the listeners a bit about what Seven Days is and the process behind that. Yeah, well, it's about a couple who are set up on an arranged marriage date by their, um, overbearing parents and a, have a date that is disastrous and then get forced together through the circumstances of COVID and quarantine and end up falling in love, in real love, over a very short period of time. It's based on the experiences of our parents who found love uh, in minuscule stretches of time because they had to. They loved each other for the same reason siblings have to love each other, which is that this is what their parents told them to do. And it is, uh, for, for both of us, a very real model of love. Um, Karen's parents are really a beautiful couple, even though they met 30 minutes before they made the decision to get married. But we made the movie right as quarantine hit. And uh, as both of us were feeling creatively stifled, I had just finished residency, but not started to be an attending yet. So we had a few months. Um, and so we just made it. We self-financed it in the beginning and then eventually got the movie bought up by the Duplass brothers. And then we just made it. It's just two people talking to each other in a room that we shot in eight days, even though the movie takes place in seven days. And uh we're surprised that it made it to festivals and eventually distribution uh, and really grateful. Well, congratulations on that. The two leads, Geraldine and Karen, they have an amazing chemistry. Did you have both of them as actors in mind when you wrote the piece or how did you come about casting them? Well, Karen and I wrote it together. Karen and Geraldine have been friends for years. They're on a show together called Miracle Workers and have a very natural chemistry that is not romantic because Karen, like me, is gay. And in fact, we're gay together. So we, when we wrote it, thought immediately of Geraldine because she's such a talented actor and such a funny and natural foil for Karen. So we wrote it and then Karen texted Geraldine and then she read it and then we did it. Uh, it was that simple. We, But it was never like... This wasn't made in the way that movies are mainly made, you know, where there's offers and casting uh, directors and auditions. It, it was just, it was so amateur in that sense and scrappy. No, it, it was really good. One of the scenes which I really liked about it was that the appearance that Geraldine's character has, and, but then you get to see who she really is because, of course, she's in isolation. She's with the character of Karen. And all of a sudden, you begin to see what she has to go through, her fears, her anxieties. And this is something so realistic that people actually go through in relationships, which we don't really see mm -hmm. as often in films. So may I just say kudos in making that film, you mm -hmm. and the whole team. Much appreciated for that. Thank you. Yeah, it's so kind of you and Ashanti to watch it. We really appreciated it. 
Okay, so speaking of films, we're going to be talking about the quote and the saying that you're going to bring. If you will, please share with us. Um, well, the quote that I really looked to growing up, and I don't know if in some ways it's inappropriate, but Anton Chekhov, the famous playwright, also the short story writer, was a doctor. And he always said that medicine was his wife and that writing was his mistress. And that helped me understand uh, what it meant to have two professions and the way that, that something can be like an emotional, meaningful, grounded part of who you are. And then, you know, also need something else creative. But obviously it has kind of unpleasant dimensions to it. And I don't actually think that Chekhov had a mistress. He, many people don't know, worked loyally at his public hospital for most of his life. And that was his life's work, not writing plays and not writing stories. And he, he was a doctor first and foremost, and not just a doctor to the wealthy, but a doctor to the poor. And that, that's always inspired me that he can have two very meaningful things that he brought with him. Which of Chekhov's works do you really resonate with? I like his short stories the best, and I could not possibly pick one of them, but they because they're all so great. Probably The Lady and Her Dog, if I had to pick one off the okay. top of my head. But um, I actually have never been a huge fan of his plays. Like, I like them, but I, I'm not as rapidly fanatical about them as I am about his short stories. But uh, I think his short stories, uh, the way he writes is, uh, his stories are the best thing about him, I think, about what he brings. Because they're written very much like a doctor, like they're and not because they are about medicine. None of them are about medicine, actually. There's very few medical characters in them, but because it's so like almost clinical and precise and observant and kind and empathetic in in ways that I think other writers cannot be because they do not have the life experiences that Chekhov must have had as a 19th century physician. So let's talk about your upcoming film. It's called Call Jane, and it'll be out sometime, I'm hoping, later this year. And it's set within, and you know what, tell us a bit about what Call Jane is all about. Call Jane is a true story of a collective of women who were not physicians or ha and did not have medical backgrounds, but taught themselves to perform abortions before Roe v. Wade was passed. They taught themselves because they had to, because women were dying. And they ended up performing 12,000 abortions um, until literally the moment that Roe v. Wade passed in 1973. The movie is a is a sort of pseudo fictionalized version of the truth. It's not uh, an exactly it's not exactly a biopic and follows what is essentially a composite character of the many real women whose lived experiences were drawn on for the movie. It was written with Haley, who I mentioned before, a former writing partner uh, in 2017 or even possibly earlier, a long time ago. Actually, we began in 2016. Unless I have the years wrong, but we began in 2016 and it had various people attached who came and went over the years. Almost every person you could imagine in terms of the lead actress and eventually um, eventually got made by dint of two people. Elizabeth Banks, who did what uh, who took on a role that I think many were scared to take on because of its political ramifications. But. You know, she's been a spokeswoman and helped Planned Parenthood for years. She's been a huge part of what they do. And then Phyllis Nash, who uh, directed, uh, sorry, wrote Carol and then directed this movie. It's her second time directing. She also uh, directed a movie in the early 2000s um, with Ben Kingsley and Ned Benning. The, the two of them made the movie happen. After many, many years, after it foundered on every conceivable obstacle, they finally pulled it off. It premiered at Sundance in January and then is being released theatrically in late October. Mm. And I think that in light of what's been going on, especially recently with the overturn of Wade versus Roe, that this film is important for people to have a bigger 
insight to what's going on. It, it won't be a complete insight, but all the same, it will give some enlightenment to people who are familiar with the whole Wade versus Roe situation in, in the States. What are your thoughts on that, if, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's abysmal that it's been overturned, and I think women will die because of that decision. Um, abortion has existed for uh, the entirety of history, and nothing will stop abortion. It will last as long as sex does, which is to say forever. And to stop it is really just to cause harm. That's all it does. That is the only thing stopping abortion does. We have all the evidence and the data to prove um, what those laws and regulations do. Women will be forced to resort to methods that cause harm, or they will be forced to bear children who will interrupt their lives and, and cause unhappiness to uh, women who are not ready or do not want to be mothers. So I just cannot think of a a worse recent event in American history than the overturning of Roe v. Wade. It's it's a massive, massive disappointment. Mm. Yeah, well, I hope that things work out accordingly to those who are involved. Hopefully, we hope. Yes. Okay, so if you don't, if you don't mind me asking, how did you meet Karen? Um, we met on a, a dating app called Raya. <laughs> okay. And then we just met. And then uh, I had just come out only like months and months before I met him. And uh, he was the first person I really met in a substantial way. And we've been together for almost four years now. How hard was it for you to come out, especially as an Indian doctor, uh, a go-getter? Yeah, um, it was the struggle of my lifetime. Um, it took two decades of lying every single day to myself and everyone I knew until I had the, somewhat say bravery, but I consider that term judgmental to uh, tell my truth which I did, and it changed my life, and it changed who I was. I went from being a very angry, aggressive, hard-driving person to a very soft and sweet and emotional one. So it's like I have two halves to my life before that happened and after that happened. Um, but it was very difficult because being um, the Indian community is very traditional, as you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, very scared of any change or anything outside of its own small, narrow walls. So. Mm. And what was the first song you guys danced to or listened to as a couple? <laughs> we actually really never dance, ever, ever, ever dance. But we... <laughs> What's wrong with that? You can't, you can't dance. Yeah, but... neither of us can really feel the beat, but um, but we both do love uh, Bollywood. Um, and I don't know if we have a favorite shared song, honestly, but we that's what we listen to almost all the time. What's your favorite Bollywood film then? Uh, probably. Uh, or okay okay all right how about have you watched any south indian films uh i recently have watched rrr which is probably the best thing to come out of india <laughs> in years <laughs> it's incredible um but uh but yeah i also enjoyed brahmastra okay all right well look i know you're very 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 busy so First of all, thank you so much for coming of on course, to the Swinging Palm Tree. I really me. appreciate it. So, what next in the pipeline? What can we see next? Are we going to see a big budget fantasy film? Are we going to see <laughs> maybe the pitch we were talking about earlier on, whereby it's set within medieval times, a triage? I don't know. What, what can we expect? <laughs> yeah, maybe? it's going to be the medical Game of Thrones. No, Karen <laughs> and I are working on a, a family romantic comedy that we're hoping we can make next year. So that's my big goal. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much once again for coming on to the Swinging Palm Trees podcast. How can people get in touch with you? Um, uh, it's very easy. It's just my first name, not my last name at Gmail. <laughs> um, so 
Never hard. Okay. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Swinging Palm Trees podcast, ping me an email to theswingingpalmtree at gmail.com. And until next time, be well and Pax Vobiscum. Sapne dikhaye, tum pas aaye.